Hello, I'm Stephen Groom. Welcome to Let God Speak. This quarter subject is called In the Crucible with Christ. The word crucible means severe test, trial or challenging experience. Today, we will review three Bible characters who have experienced the extreme heat of crucibles in their own lives, namely Abraham, Hosea and Job, with some concluding comments from the Apostle Paul, so that we may understand why we experience crucibles in our own lives. Please join us for this important study. On our panel today, we have Lena Yoon and Rod Butler. Welcome, Lena. Let us begin our study with prayer, shall we? Yep. Dear, dear Lord, please help us to understand why we have crucibles or severe trials in our lives through the experience of the three Bible characters that we will be reviewing today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let us begin with our first Bible character, Abraham. And let us turn to Genesis chapter 22. And in this chapter, God asked Abraham to do something that must have been a crucible for his life, uh, for him. What was it, Lena? Yeah, so we turn to Genesis uh, 22, verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So here God uh, commanded Abraham to sacrifice his own son, Isaac. Yeah, that was a strange and terrible test, may I say. Mm -hmm. And what ma uh, there's something that makes it even more strange. What was that, Rod? Well, it was strange because it involved Isaac. Isaac was a miracle child of Abraham and Sarah. The Ab only son, wasn't it? Yeah, Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 when he was born. And it was through Isaac that God made the, the promise, the covenant promise, that Abraham's descendants would be like the, the dust of the earth, the, the numbers of the stars in the sky, and also like the numbers of the sand on the, on the shore. Yes. So it was strange because Abraham's thinking, how can this be carried out? How can all this be given, the seed be uh, generated if Isaac is killed? It's like God's <clears throat> negating his own promise almost, isn't it? Yes. It would seem that way. <clears throat> so in God's command to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, did Isaac himself, the son, have any part to play in this, um, in this command? Yes. Um, so from Genesis 22, uh, 7, actually in um, verse 7, the last part of it, Isaac asks Abraham, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? So the lamb um, meaning sacrifice. So it actually tells us that Isaac was not told by his father Abraham of um, God's command. Of God's command, of course not. So um, basically, uh, at some point during the procedure, he you know might have been aware of the fact that he was to be the offering himself. That must have been a shock for him, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, if you look at here, um, 
then, you know, although he was, he might be in his teens, so he was just, you know, tall and big enough to run away, you know, from it, but he didn't. So what we can actually learn from this story is that, you know, how faithful Isaac was to his father and his father's God's commandment, you know. Mm. So, um, you know, he, now we can actually see this, you know, Isaac's absolute faith to his father. And also that's one of the things that actually we can learn, not only the faith of Abraham, but also the faith of Isaac. Yes, and considering he was the one that was going to be sacrificed yeah. and lose his life. So continuing the story, let's go to verse <laughs> 9. Um, so they both went to the place, the mountain in Moriah, and Abraham built an altar there. He placed the wood in order. He bound Isaac, his son, on the altar upon the wood. And he, um, he in verse 10, it says, he, he stretched his hand out and he took the knife to slay his son. Uh, Rod, did he go through with the offering? No, he didn't, because if you read verse 11, which I'll read now, it says, And the angel of the Lord called out unto him uh, out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. So it didn't take place, but in Abraham's mind, he was absolutely about to go through with it. In yes. his mind, he'd done it. He'd lifted the knife up. He was going to yes. slay his son, but the, the angel uh, stayed his hand. Yes, thanks for that. And so Abraham, Isaac, fully intended to go through with this command of God. And at the last minute, um, God stops him from doing it. What, for what possible reason would there have been for um, God asking Abraham and Isaac to go through this harrowing ordeal? Alina. Uh, there may be uh, two reasons here uh, we can see. Uh, firstly, um, it's sort of a test for uh, Abraham. So just like God tests even each one of us as well. So, you know, we can say how much we love God and how much we can be faithful to him. But through our actions and works, we have to show how faithful we are to God. So likewise here, God actually um, tests Abraham. And so we read verse um, 12. So Genesis 22, verse 12. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, and seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So here God says, You fear me. Right? So um, you have shown me your faith. So... That is one of the reasons. And also uh, the other one um, actually related to these and actually has uh, shown to even other beings like unfallen and you know fallen beings in this universe as well. So they are the witnesses. And the other thing is we go to uh, John 8, 56. Um, so here... Um, um, so your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. So that's what, you know, Jesus said here. So, what does that mean? So basically it tells us about the redemption. So, and that's another reason and um, for this as well. So basically by Abraham having to take the life of his son, we can, Abraham learned to understand how God the father felt when he had to offer his mm -hmm. son Jesus yep. to come to this earth and die on the cross. Yep. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So let us think for a moment. If the angel had not stopped the hand of Abraham uh, from offering his son, and he actually went through with that, and Isaac died, 
Is there any indication in the Bible that suggests if Abraham thought that God's promise of, of having um, descendants as the sand of the sea would still be uh, followed through, um, right? Yes, there is. <clears throat> and this, is, this highlights the amazing faith that Abraham had that God's promise would take place no matter what. If we go to Hebrews 11, the, uh, the chapter in Hebrews which deals with the faith of um, the patriarchs and others, it talks about Abraham's faith. And if I look at verse 19, it says, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So Abraham actually believed that even if the angel hadn't have st stopped him doing it and he had have slain his son, God, because his promises had to take place, God would have raised Isaac from the dead. Yes. And it's really hard to imagine that much faith as a father to do that, but that's the faith that Abraham had. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Yep. So l let us move on to the second Bible character and we'll move to the book of Hosea. The prophet Hosea lived in uh, the darkest period of the history of the kingdom of Israel just before the nation was taken captive by Assyria in about 722 BC. Um, so as an, a living illustration for wayward Israel, what did Hosea have to do, um, Lena? Yep. Hosea was commanded by God to marry an unfaithful woman, Gomer, and who has children with Hosea and also with other men as well. And the three of the children are named Jezreel, Lorahama, and Loami. And um, Gomer also runs away from Jose. And, but God also uh, calls um, Jose, Jose to and go and just get her back and take her back and love her fully. So. Yeah. And, and uh, what did this experience teach Hosea, Rod? Well, you can imagine <clears throat> the emotions going through Hosea's mind. Firstly, he's instructed to, uh, to marry this woman. And some commentaries say that um, she was a prostitute. Yeah, so he probably knew what he was getting into, but God said marry her. Yeah. And then he had to live through the experience of her actually being unfaithful and um, running off with other men, having children with other men and so forth. This gave um, Hosea insight because we have in chapter two of Hosea, um, how God sort of says how Israel is analogous to um, Gomer. Israel ran off with other nations, forming leagues with other nations, worshiping their gods, being unfaithful to Yahweh, to the God of Israel. Yes. And um, Hosea got to experience in really, really a hard way uh, what God was going through with Israel being unfaithful uh, to the other with the other nations. It was a test. It must have been a crucible for him as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, however, what tactics did God say to use for Hosea to bring uh, Gomer back and for how did how to bring Israel back to God's favor, Lena? Yeah. So let's turn to uh, Hosea to, um, chapter two, verse two. <coughs> So plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sight and her adulteries from between her breasts. So the method that God actually um, is using here, um, very interesting, the names of the children of Hosea. 
Uh, so you think about it every time you call their names and you know the meaning of their names is very unfortunate as you all know and just to remind and not only Hosea but everyone around him of a coming uh, judgment and exile uh, of, of them of Israelites so for example you know the, the names of the three sons here are Jezreel meaning scattered so it also you know reminds people that Israel uh, Israel would be you know, soon scattered, you know, by the Assyrian army soon. And also Loruhama, meaning no mercy. So mm. again, the same, you know, carries the same meaning, you know, than judgment and um, exile. That God would show no mercy. No mercy anymore. Yeah, the, the, it's like the probation is closed. So no mercy. Um, and and uh, lastly, Loami, meaning uh, not my people. So God actually had to put up with, um, you know, very stubborn Israelites, and now, you know, there's no mercy anymore, and therefore, you know, they actually put, um, chase, um, they put uh, away God too far away so that they no longer be called, you know, uh, his children. Yeah. So basically, God uh, made Hosea uh, have to leave God's experience through the names of the children. Yes, thanks for that. And what other tactics did... Um God used in verse 6, right? Well, in verse 6, <clears throat> excuse me, it says, Therefore, behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. This is, uh, again, prophesying that because of her unfaithfulness, Israel's unfaithfulness, uh, there will be another nation, which was Assyria, would come down. Uh, we'll hedge it up. There'll be captivity. There'll be pe people taken away. The land will be made desolate uh, with thorns. This is a prophecy that really hard times are coming because other nations are going to come and make life difficult uh, because of your unfaithfulness. Yes. So take, God would take his protection away from yeah. his people so that the other nations would um, have access to them and make their life a, a ruin. Yes. So um, what else does this chapter say that God would do to Israel and why would he do this then? Okay. Uh, let's go to um, Hosea chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, For she did not know that I gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. So basically, um, you know, Israelites had taken uh, for granted the things that um, were given by God, actually. So like here he says, you know, the, uh, their food, corn, you know, wine and oil and things like that, and also their prosperity in trade and commerce as well. And so basically, instead of attributing to God, they attributed it to Baal. Um, so therefore, God would take away from them, you know, through disaster or, you know, draft or, you know, um, through invasions of the other nation, so they would know that these blessings do come from From God. him, yes. Yeah. And they're not getting them anymore. Mm. Yeah. Verse 10 reads, and I'll just read that, Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one shall deliver her from my hand. What is this talking about, Rod? Well, <clears throat> it's talking about, we know in the story that Goma, uh, she is to suffer... Uh, public disgrace, contempt because of her immorality and likewise by the Assyrians or other nations coming to uh, destroy or uh, 
yeah, basically destroy Assyria, uh, Israel. Mm. The land will be made waste, and the other nations will see the uh, the destruction, and they will know that uh, Israel was being destroyed because of the um, the unfaithfulness uh, to their God. Yes. So this is basically a prophesying that. Um, their unfaithfulness will be revealed to everyone. It'll be all to see. It'll be for the other nations to see Israel's unfaithfulness and it'll be to the public to see Gomer's unfaithfulness. Yes. Thanks for that. Well, that's enough for Hosea. Let us move on to our third Bible character and that is uh, the person of Job. Um, Lena, who was, who was Job and how does the <coughs> opening chapter describe this man so we know what sort of man he was? Yeah, um, the opening chap- chapter, which is chapter one, uh, describes him as being a perfect and upright. You know, in a couple of verses, you know, like, um, you know, mentioned, you know, Job being perfect and upright. So verse one, even, and eight, and uh, verse two and three as well. So, um, and also not only that, and he fears God, of course, and also departs from evil. Yeah. Yeah. King James says it, that was it, chapter two, verse three. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, he was a very mm. successful man. Um, so and very wealthy man as well here. Um, so having 7000 sheep, 3000 camels, um, you know, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 uh, female asses. And also the other thing about Job and also he was a very good father. Uh, having seven sons and three daughters. And also he offered offerings every day. Each morning he, he woke up early, just make sure they are okay with God. So it also shows that he has a very, very close relationship with God as yes. well. Yes. So here we have a picture of a godly man. And all of a sudden there is a change of location from earth to heaven um, in Job, in, in verses 6 to 12 of chapter 1 where there is a meeting between the sons of God and Satan, who was there to representing um, earth. What did the Lord first say to Satan to refute? Because Satan says, when they ask Satan, where, where have you come from? He said, oh, I've come from roaming to and fro upon the earth. That's a Hebrew expression meaning this is my land. Um, and so what did the Lord first say to refute this uh, statement from Satan that he owned the earth? Um, Rod. Well, if I can read uh, Job chapter one and verse eight, and it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and esteweth evil. Again, you put this in context, Steve. Here's here's the devil, as you know, uh, walking up and down, sort of making out that he runs the place. And God says, hang on, hang on. What about my little, my, my servant down there yep. um, who doesn't follow your ways, who, uh, who is perfect, who eschews evil? This is a direct rebuke to Satan that he mustn't be running the place because there's, there's a person down there who is following me, who is faithful to me, obedient to me. Yeah. And so this is a very important point that uh, sometimes crucible or oftentimes crucibles come to people who are following God. And that's important to know. Um, So then Satan was allowed to go to earth and kill all his livestock, all his children, his seven sons and three daughters, verses 13 and 19. How did Job respond? 
and this is what all the universe wanted to look at. Um, did he live up to God's prediction, Rod? Did he live up to God's prediction? Yes, he did. He was faithful in all that uh, God said. And if I look at verse 20, it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and worshipped. And 21 and said, Naked came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Yes. So he had all this calamity in his, uh, his home life, his uh, death and destruction, and yet he did not accuse God. He that's didn't shake his fist at God and say, Why me? He just didn't charge and God. And that's amazing because in verses um, 9 to 11, uh, Joe was accused by Satan of being a rice Christian. That is, he followed God for all the benefits he got. Um, yep. So he probably does that for a lot of people that, God, that follow God anyway. Was this the end of uh, Job's crucible or test, Lena? Did it finish there? No, uh, it actually uh, didn't finish there. So, um, How else was he tested? Well... So basically, um, you know, um, he, he's, well, Satan wanted to afflict him, right? So physically, so, um, um, you know, that was. Before, before he took away all his possessions, his livestock, his children yep. and his servants. But now he's allowed a more severe test. What was that test? Well, he made the accusation that you can take things away from people, yep. but it's only when you touch them personally flesh, yes. that they'll start to, yeah. uh, to uh, be unfaithful. Skin for skin, he says. That's right. And that's where um, what the devil did by sort of saying, let me touch his flesh, that was so... Yeah. So stupid. how could he have responded to this test? And how did he respond to it, Rod? How did Job respond to it? Yeah. How could he have? He could have denied God, couldn't he? He could have denied God. Um, and let's face it, when you are suffering what Job suffered, yeah. and when you think about this, um, how could he have responded? He just lost his income. Yeah. He's lost his family. Yeah. Uh, even his wife doesn't want to know about him. Told him to curse, curse God, God and, and die. die. Yeah. And now he's just um, draped in sores from head to toe. Yes. Everything's been taken away from him. Every single thing. He's got Sitting no in the junk heap. Yeah, so he's been top to the bottom because a wealthy man, now he's got nothing. So in all this, he did not charge God. He did not, um, he certainly didn't like his circumstances, but he was faithful. And this is where the crucible again is really, comes to play. Um, some people will go so far, but if you do something, everyone seems to have something which they're very sensitive about. And if you touch that, yeah. then they, they arc up. But in yeah. this particular case, God allowed Satan to touch everything Job had and he was still faithful. Yes. Uh, I know many people who consider the book of Job to be their favourite book of the Bible for the very reason of the crucible that he went through. I know people who have rejected God because they've lost one child. And here is a man who's lost 10 children and he remains faithful. There was, there was one more thing, Steve, which is important. Remember, when we are really down, when we're having suffering, um, we like to be comforted. And back then, the prevailing view was that if bad things were happening to you, you must be a really bad sinner. And, and that's what his three friends exactly. said to him. His three miserable comforters, he called them, um, came to tell him all through the, 
those large, many chapters of the Bible. So even though he had friends come who were accusing him of maybe done some secret sin, yeah. he still did not sin against God yep. um, and was faithful. And this is unbelievable faith when you think about it, because none of us go through what Job goes through. I think so, or very few people. Mm. So what is the lesson we can get from this amazing experience from Job as revealed in the Old Testament book of Job, Alina? Yeah, so let's turn to uh, Romans 8, um, 28. Um, it's a very familiar text. Um, so, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So... All things are not good, are they? As in Job's case, as in Hosea's case, as in so, Abraham's case. That's right. We also can experience both good and bad things, not just only good, because here clearly states that, you know, you know uh, God says... Um, you know, all things work together at the end for good. That is the crucial part of it. So whatever happens to us, even, you know, no, no matter um, how difficult trials we are going through and sufferings go through, you know, we go through, then, and, you know, here he says, you know, um, even, you know, the extreme heat that actually the lesson actually brings out, we still have to be very faithful as God is faithful to us just because of our faith, because we stand up for our truth, then that yes. is the key. Stephen, so yeah. when we're suffering uh, calamity, we're suffering trial, um, hardship, whatever it is, um, bad disease, we have to, Romans eight twenty eight. do we believe it or don't we? It says all things, both the good and the bad. What so if we're it? suffering terrible circumstances, bad things, we have to believe that those things somehow God's going to turn into good. Yes. It takes a lot of faith. You've got to dig really deep to believe that. Yeah. But, but that gives you comfort to know that it doesn't matter how bad things get, somehow God's going to turn this into something good. And, and it's important to also remember that God, we want to make a comfortable life for ourselves on earth. But God's goal is to prepare us for heaven. And so these crucibles are designed to prepare us for heaven in that way. The Apostle Paul is another person who endured suffering more than most people. And because of this, what did uh, Paul say is the reason for crucible or suffering, Rod? Well, I love this. I'll just read it. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, talking about tribulation, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. When we go through hardship, we from first-hand experience can help others when they go through hardship. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's good. And did Paul mention his sufferings to make us feel sorry for him, Lena? No, not at all. Actually, they are for us to know that even when we are in the depths of trials, God is, can still intervene for us. You know, what we can do, we have to trust in the Lord and be faithful no matter what happens, what the coast is. That's the lesson that we really have to learn. Thank you, Lena. Thank you, Rod, for joining us Thanks, today. Thanks, That's all we have time for. We can summarize what we have learned about the extreme heat of God's crucible in three ways. First, God's extreme heat is not to destroy us, but our sin. Second, God's extreme heat is not to make us miserable, but to make us pure as we were created to be. Third, God's care for us through all things is constant and tender. He will never leave us alone, no matter what happens to us. We are glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. If you want to watch this program again or any of the past programs, they can be found on our website, 
3abnaustralia.org.au. If you wish to respond, send an email to us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.